Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Hi everybody, Mark Lawrence once again, along with Victor King and Jeff Feist, as we're going against the spread on this week's pro and college football cards. Our good friend Andy Esco, AI, has got a bye week. Andy's actually off this week but he did do a couple of pre-recorded segments that we'll be sharing with you on the show this week. And with that, let's kick it off. Victor King from King Creole Sports. How's everything going for you this football season? Nice, Mark. We're already 1-0 and this week in the NFL. We cashed a winner on Tuesday night, and a game wasn't even played. I'm talking about, if you remember, we talked about this on the podcast a week or two ago, the first NFL coach to be fired. Ah. So we cashed a nice Four to one slight underdog price on Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. GM fired, offensive coordinator fired, head coach fired. So we're pleased to already start the NFL with a nice one and a week. But someone who had a really nice weekend last week, let's see here. Mark's all sports service, Mark Lawrence, six and two last week. A very nice weekend. A great way to wrap up a, a, a Positive month of October, I might add. And, of course, that included a perfect 3-0 and in the NFL for Mark, including that five-star game of the month outright dog winner on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, nicely done, Mark. A very nice weekend. Well, thank you, Victor. I appreciate that. And, uh, Jim, as Victor mentioned here, what's going on in Las Vegas with that Raider football team? I mean, it sounds like it's falling apart by the threads, by the seams each and every week. Are they going to be able to field a team that's going to come and play this week? You know, Mark, we're, we're all in the business of having opinions. And yeah. some of them are worthless. Some are, are <laughs> really good. At least our opinions are educated opinions. I, I thought the hire when they first hired him, uh, I thought it was terrible. He's not been successful anywhere when he stepped out of his comfort zone, which is offensive coordinator. And that being mostly with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So I have a feeling that I probably could be a pretty good offensive coordinator with Tom Brady. (laughs) And I don't know that much about football play calling, but you know, I, I came up with uh, it. That's a good, it's a good thing. They had to get rid of them. It's a good thing. They cleaned house. It's not going to show up this year, but if they hire, and this is the question, if they hire the right guy, and I thought they had the right guy before they hired McDaniel. John Gruden? Because the, the players wanted the guy. I don't remember his name. John Gruden? You're talking John Gruden? No. No. Before that. Who was the coach? They want all the players. Right after they, they after they fired Gruden, they hired that um, uh, well, defensive coordinator. Yeah, right. they became the interim, and they liked them, right? Exactly. And they liked them a lot. Yeah. And I thought it was it was an ego play by Mark Davis, who I, I kind of like Mark Davis. I mean, he owns the Aces here, and they've won two championships, um, the the you know, WNBA Aces. But I I think that 
and I and I, I give hats off to him for firing the guy. I mean, they're going to pay him for the next four years. He's on a contract. Big Daniel, I'm talking about, but they need to turn it over to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. And he is not one of them. He's not one of them. And there's a lot of that going on in the league. But I came up with, I don't know if this is the right time for me to go into this, but I was watching a game last night with Pittsburgh. I had the money line and I laid two, gave that out that way. And, and I ended up winning the game. A, I was super impressed with Will Levis. I think he has the chemistry, the attitude, the cockiness. If less the cockiness goes too far or ego gets too big, he's got the arm. He makes quick decisions. He works within the framework. That's very, very, especially on the road against a tough physical defense like that. I, I was super impressed with him. On yeah, the other was, side, he was pretty aggressive, Jim. I like that. I agree with you 100. percent I thought he looked real good. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go that's ahead. A, that's okay. Then that's a good comment. You're right. Now on the Pickens thing, I think the kid has talent, and I think they're right sticking with him. Here's what I observed: You got these college kids, high school, college. You know, they're they're, they're dating, they're partying, they're, they're playing football, they're playing sports. Now they're mature supposedly mature adults be able to run an NFL team. And there's only 32 starting positions for this. They expect too much too soon from these people. That's number one observation. And then a lot of times the co- the quarterbacks that are coming in are all players from college are actually better talented than the head coaches, quarterback coaches, offensive coaches than they are. So they're more talented. They just don't know anything, don't know as much. But when you have bad play calling, a bad offensive line, an overly conservative head coach, you're not going to develop very well. It's just going to take you a long time to develop who you're going to be. And these are still kids. They're 21, you're 22 years old. I mean, I... We're all so old and we probably don't remember being 21 or 22, but nobody could tell us what to do when we're, we're young. Especially still, if you're an athlete, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I think what's happening is we, as part of the media, we're, you know, we're not really the media, but we're in, in the business of being such. We're too critical too quick. And these kids need more development time. And I think the NFL needs a development league. And then I sat back and I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. This is the development league. The first six to eight weeks of the year, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. They're not in shape and they're not efficient and they're not, they just don't have it. But I saw growth. I saw growth even on the Pittsburgh offensive side with Pickens. I saw growth there. Um, it, it, and I think that's what we're going to see throughout the league in some spots. Now, maybe Love out in Green Bay, who's been there a number of years and the way he's playing, and he has an offensive head coach, you know, head coach or, you know, and, and you would think he'd be doing better. He's absolutely doing awful. I don't know if that's the end for him, but it kind of looks like unless he shapes up real quick, it will be. Well, that's a good observation. Uh, and I'm just wondering, Victor, if you think back, 
about some of these quarterbacks that a lot was heaped on them, expected from them right out of the get-go, and they didn't produce. Can you think of any that uh, maybe down the road a year or two later with a little bit of maturity and a little bit maybe better coaching experience that eventually did blossom? Any quarterbacks that come to your mind that way? Well, nothing jumps out into my head here, Mark, but I will say this about uh, Levis. I'm in agreement with you guys. He's uh, uh, had a good uh, Thursday night passing-wise. He's one of only 22 quarterbacks to throw for over 500 yards in his first two starts, wow. uh, first first two career starts. So uh, he's up there in some rarefied air along with another rookie from earlier this season. That would be C.J. Stroud. Uh, the Steelers last night, since you're talking about it, were outstatted again for the eighth game in a row. They're the only team now in the NFL, I'm sure Mark knows about this, that's been outstatted in every game this season, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And not only that, but they're the only team now in the Super Bowl era uh, to have a winning record through eight games and to be out-yarded in each of those eight games as well. That's where the uh, Steelers currently stand. Well, that puts all the heap and the pressure on Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, because they're calling for his throat in, in Pittsburgh. Now, that might have quelled a little bit after the win last night, but the fact remains their offense still looks pathetic, and they're going to end up having to do something sooner or later if they want to end up being a legitimate playoff contender. I don't know how soon that will be. One more comment on Will Levis here, guys. I want to throw this out. Go back to last year's NFL draft. There were people who thought he was going to be the first quarterback going in the draft. He was talented enough to do just that. And there was a time when on the future, uh, on the futures of the number one pick, he did rise to the, uh, to the favorite and he dropped a lot like an anchor before the draft started. Now, I don't know if he dropped not so much for uh, pre, uh, what he showed in, uh, in workouts and things like that. I couldn't have been that, but I think a lot was shown or talked about the fact that, his numbers all weren't there. His touchdown to interception ratio was weak. It was poor. It was close to 50%, things like that. But we did see an athlete with a lot of good physical presence. And, uh, you know, he looked like uh, he was a quarterback on the attack last night. I think they've got a good one there in Will Levis. It, it might be a maturity issue. I mean, remember years ago, and we all remember this, that there was a guy named Dan Marino for Pittsburgh. And he was, everybody thought this guy was the best quarterback coming out and by the time that the draft came around he wasn't the number one guy he was down the list somewhere um these are kids they like the party the girls are they're hot they want to go out and have fun they're big strong Dan Dan liked the party too much that was his problem (laughs) so you know so did I in my youth you know I can't remember those days but I was told (laughs) I was told that that's what I did. Um, didn't affect my athletic career because I never had one in the first place. But <laughs> <laughs> On top of it. Hey, guys, let's do this. Uh, we're going to kind of condense the show a little bit because we're running late in the week on the production. We are doing it on Friday rather than Wednesday. So we want to make sure we can get this to our producer uh, to do some post-editing and get this up in time for football games this weekend. So let's spin over, if we can, over to our college football game of the weekend. I'm going to throw it out to you, Victor. LSU, Alabama, a beauty inside the SEC conference this week. What's your take on this football game? Mark, let me check the current odds. Uh, opened at around 60 and a half, one of two huge uh, games in the SEC this weekend. Uh, of course, nationally televised, 745 Eastern time. 
The line has gone up to 61. There's even some 61s and a half out there uh, as we speak. Uh, so we're currently at 61 and a half in regards to, to the game. And uh, here's a little trivia question. There's only one team in college football that's gone over the total in every single game this season. That is the LSU Tigers. 8-0 and over-under thus far, and that's the way that we're going to be going in the game, too. We do have the makings of an SEC shootout. Average combined points in LSU games, 74.8 this season. Average margin, their average game is going over by 14.2 points per game. So, I mean, obviously it's no surprise. They're number one in all of college football and offense, 553. And in scoring offense, 47.4 points per game on their own this season. you got two teams that are pretty healthy after a bye week. Uh, you've got the fact that we've got uh, a Jaden Daniels quarterback for the um, uh, LSU Tigers that's now in the Heisman talk. And you got a quarterback in Mill Row out of Alabama that, of course, can take advantage of a very, very weak LSU secondary. In fact, the secondary that Mark wrote about in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter that is really, really hurting on the extreme backside, the safeties, the cornerbacks, uh, a team that is ripe to be taken down with. And if uh, J- Jalen Milrow of Alabama really, really wants to, he can get involved in a big-time back-and-forth shootout in this particular game. There's a revenge angle I'm sure Mark will mention for the Tide they lost last year's game versus LSU in overtime by just one point. But for me, this basically means foot on the gas, 60 minutes long. Both offenses, uh, our database models point to a final score somewhere in the area of about 38 to 34. I think we get to 70 or more points, and we'll be definitely enjoying the game as we go over the total on Saturday What's night. the total in the game, Victor? We're currently at 61 and a half for Alabama and LSU, and I don't think that's high enough. When you look at this LSU football team, I mean, my God, they're averaging 47 points a game and 543 yards. And if the secondary is really banged up and beat up and Nick Saban goes after that, this could be one of the easier over totals in the football contest. Jim, do you think there's value in this football game at that total? I, I, you know, I follow what Victor has to say a lot because he does his work. <laughs> so I can't argue with it. But I, on the surface, when you look at it, it just jumps out at you. So that, along with his input, which is excellent, yes, I'm on the over as well. Well, I'm looking at the game here from a side uh, aspect here, guys. And we remember that LSU beat the Tide 32-31 in overtime last year, despite the fact that the Tide beat them by almost 100 yards in the football game. And those are really serious good revenge angle spots that you might want to point out for good head coaches like Nick Saban to be able to extract revenge like that. I looked at Nick Saban in our our well-oiled machine, and if you put him between the threes, either as a favorite of three or less up to a dog of three or less, he's pretty good in his courage, 37 and 14 straight up and 19 and 13 to the spread. When he's been at home with conference revenge, Nick Saban, as he is here, he is 20 and 10 to the spread. But if he's playing an opponent that is not, undefeated he's 19 and four to the spread in these games so it's a pretty nice role for nick saban for the point spread range that he happens to be in here in this particular situation here i think it's a tough call in this football game but it's alabama being who they are i think the tide will get their revenge in this football game 
Hey guys, uh, we got a complimentary play here before we go over to our NFL side of things. Andy Isco did a pre-record on an NFL pick. So before we go over to the NFL side, let's see what Andy Isco has got for his complimentary play on the NFL card this week. Well, thanks, Mark. And of course, I'm uh, sorry that I'm unable to join you for the full edition of the podcast this week, but I did want to provide a complimentary pick for this week's podcast, and it involves the big game Sunday night between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, we often talk about the line moves, and I refer to the 10-day advance line in this game and uh, uh, for this game. Uh, Buffalo was actually a one-point a road favorite prior to last week's action in which on Thursday night, Buffalo had sort of a rather ho-hum win over Tampa Bay, followed on Sunday afternoon with a very impressive performance uh, by San, uh, by the Bengals at San Francisco uh, with uh, uh, everybody, especially quarterback Joe Burrow, looking at uh, uh, full strength and uh, best performance of the season. So as a result, when the line be, uh, was reposted for this game on Sunday afternoon after those results were in, uh, the game actually opened a uh, pick em. The early money uh, did pour in on Cincinnati such, to such extent that by midday on Monday, the Bengals were bet up to a three-point uh, home favorite over the, uh, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, money did come in during the week uh, that sent the line back down to Cincinnati, about a two-point favorite pretty much around Las Vegas. However, it's expected that it may even go a little bit lower because the contest line that came up uh, Thursday morning in the Circa has the Bengals minus one and a half. So a lot of support coming in during the week for uh, Buffalo. And I, I'm not quite sure I necessarily uh, agree with that. I do expect that money will come in on the Bengals and the line will go back up to where its, its height was this uh, during the week at three. Uh, quarterback Burrow, as I mentioned, looked as sharp as he was the past few years. Uh, uh, and the entire team, including the defense, fed off of that performance. Uh, Buffalo's had uh, uh, several unimpressive efforts this year. In fact, if you go back, their best efforts of the year were week two, three, and four. When they blew out the uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, they blew out the Washington Commanders, and then they had that very impressive uh, uh, signature win uh, against Miami. But the four games since then, uh, Buffalo's uh, struggled to win. They lost a couple of games. They lost the Jacksonville game in London. Uh, they uh, uh, and they lost the game a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, so it, it's been a very shaky performance. Josh Allen does not appear to be 100%. Whether it's uh, the toll of all the extra playoff games they've played over the last few years, I'm not really sure because that applies to a number of teams. Or just maybe that right now I'm looking at Buffalo as not being the better uh, team between these two. Uh, the defense has, has been plagued for Buffalo by injuries. Uh, much has been made about Cincinnati's poor numbers on defense, especially against the rush. Well, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the defense has been on the field longer than expected for much of the season with the problems of the offense caused by that lingering injury that uh, that uh, Burrow sustained during, uh, during August. And uh, now he finally feels... Uh, fully healthy. Of course, uh, this uh, uh, this game was the uh, now the, the Bills were eliminated by the Bengals in the playoffs last year, and people remember, of course, that uh, uh, game between the Bills and the Cincinnati that Monday night game with the Demar Hamlin uh, situation uh, ended up not being rescheduled. So uh, this is their first regular seating uh, season uh, meeting since that point. Uh, now the five wins that Buffalo has are over teams that are 
just 17 and 17 against teams other than Buffalo. So their wins have come against very mediocre teams. And I just mentioned uh, a couple of them at the start, the, uh, uh, the Raiders and the, uh, uh, and the commanders. Now the Bengals four wins are over teams that are a similarly mediocre 14 and 13. Uh, they've won three straight since that uh, one and three start that was largely due. I mentioned before to the uh, borough injury, the calf injury, uh, Despite the disparity uh, in the season-to-date statistics for uh, Cincinnati and Buffalo that largely favor Buffalo, I mentioned that a lot of it had to do with the poor performance of the offense, which affected the whole team. Putting Cincinnati in a situation right now where they need to make up for some of those lost uh, opportunities from early in the season. They appear to be at full strength. They appear to be the better functioning team right now. And I think laying under a field goal with Cincinnati is the way to go, despite the fact that, uh, and I can understand, Buffalo can certainly win the game and there'll be support for Buffalo. Right now, I think Cincinnati is playing the much better football, and this is one of the key games on the regular season that could have implications for home field advantage come playoff time. And with that, Mark, I'll throw it back to you and uh, the rest of the guys. That was our good friend Andy Isco. He's on the Cincinnati Bengals this week over the Buffalo Bills in a key NFL showdown game this Sunday. And with that, Victor, let's talk about our NFL game of the week. And I mentioned here, or I forgot to mention the first segment, it's being brought to you by our good friends at uwager.lv, featuring their 5% monthly rebate on all your losses. You get 5% back on all your losses at uwager.lv. Log on at the website or give them a call at 1-800-U-WAGER. And, Victor, I don't think there's a more exciting game that we want to tune into this particular week. we got a couple of good ones, Cincinnati, Buffalo. you got the Eagles and the Cowboys. But you can't downplay the Chiefs taking on the Dolphins in Germany. My goodness, that's going to be a good football game. I will have my alarm set, and I'll watch this game from start to finish. What do you think about it? I know, man. Fantastic NFL games. There's uh, four or five really, really good ones. And, of course, it starts at, what, 9.30 in the morning on Sunday Eastern time. It's going to go all the way through the Sunday night game with the Bills-Bengals taking each other on. Uh, Definitely a highlight week in the NFL. Amerikanischer Fußball auf Deutschland. Now, that's basically, I just said, American football in Germany. The International Series, of course, returns to Europe this week for two games. One this week, one next week, the Patriots and the Colts playing in Frankfurt, Deutschland. The first time we've ever played in Frankfurt. Last year's game, of course, was played in Munich. So, Frankfurt in Deutschland is your host city. And the over-underline in this game, Mark, it opened at a 52 there was even a couple of 52 and a halves. The last time we looked, the line was down to 50, uh, in some cases, 50.5. So there has been some action on the under in this Dolphins-Chiefs game. And heck, man, we could very well see uh, what the Germans would call a blitzkrieg of points. Blitzkrieg meaning a lightning war in German between these two teams. Anytime they can go off, we know that, the Chiefs, the Dolphins. With that said, Mark, we've gone into the database. We've queried the international games. They've already gone a perfect 0-3 to the under this season, the three games that were played in London um, a few weeks ago. They've also gone 9-17 and over under in the last seven years. I also ran a query for neutral site games with a high over-under line of 49 or more. They've gone 1-4 and four over under all time the database is pointing to a slightly lower uh scoring game than the over underline might indicate 
Oh, one more thing I'll add is that, uh, for, again, from the database, when you uh, go into the database and preview two teams with a 750 or better winning percentage, like the Chiefs, like the Dolphins, in AFC games, these have gone 3 and 15 over under when the over under line is a high 47 or more points. So 3 and 15 to the so, under, you're saying, right? 3 and 15 to the under. We can throw away the neutral site, the international games. AFC games, both teams are 750 or better. Over underline is a high 47 or higher. They've gone three and 15. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but uh, from the way the line has moved and from everything we've got in the database, it actually says slightly lower scoring game than people think. I'm sure Mark will have something to say about the side play. I will say this since I was in the database, Mark, the favorites in the international games have gone 31, 10, and 1 straight up all time, 27, 15 against the spread. That would be the favorite Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know what side Mark's going to be on, but I'm just throwing it out there, guys. Well, I'll tell you what I know, Jim, is after listening to Victor set this game up, talking about the game being played, if you will, uh, in Frankfurt and talking all the, the, the German lingo in that. <laughs> My taste buds are drooling for some German food right now, man. Right, <laughs> um, some schnitzel or something, right? Schnitzel, sauerkraut, uh, potato pancakes, set them up. I might be there before this game kicks off this weekend, yeah. Victor. We had that great <laughs> restaurant we went to before, so you got my you got my appetite rolling here. Jim, how do you see this coming down here, this uh, Sunday football game between the Dolphins and the Chiefs? Well, you do have to respect the line movement, and when you first look at this game, you think, you think about the Dolphins' offense and, and how much – how explosive they are and what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have done over the years. I don't think you'd see this line move going down. You'd see it going up because, but when you look at Kansas city, they're a different team this year. They're not explosive. Their wide receivers are not getting separation. And uh, frankly, they're in trouble. In my opinion, they need to make some adjustments to the offensive play calling um, to get some more separation. They have to play the game differently if they can't get that downfield explosion that Mahomes is so good at. Ironically, they're going up against a player on that that made them very explosive in Tyreek Hill. When you look at the explosivity of, of Miami with Hill and Waddle and all the other little toys that they have to play with, you wonder why anybody's favorite in the game because there, it is neutral site. Kansas City's coming off uh, a very embarrassing game, but they had the flu. They were a little sick. They turned the ball over a bunch of times to Denver. No one, no one should lose to Denver. But Miami has not played well when they step up in class. They're absolutely horrible. As a matter of fact, I think the last six or seven times against step-up games in class, I think they've only done once. They've done well once in, the, in that group. Yeah, well, so, under McDaniel, Jim, let me jump in here while you're on that train thought there. With McDaniel, when they played 500 or better teams, they're only 2-8 and eight straight up in those football games. They covered the spread four times, so you're right on with that observation with Miami stepping up in class. I'm not going to lay the points with Kansas City here because I, I really don't know what to expect out of Kansas City. They're not, they have not been in sync. But 
they do play well against top teams. The other team doesn't. So I favor Kansas City, and if I bet it would be the money line, a money line play. But I'm definitely under the game. And right now, we have to be aware of this. I have a lot of numbers up here that I'm looking at. There are some 50 and a halves, but the 50s are starting to show up. So if you're going to bet it under, you know, the time to do it would be now. Right. Well, that's a consensus. Victor and Jim Feist to the under in that football game. Look for the better number, obviously. Jim says there's some 50 and a halves out there Friday as we do the podcast on the show here today. And I'm looking at this football game, guys, here. and We, we talked a little bit about Mike McDaniel and how he's he's blasted bad football team against sub-333 teams. Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, 7-0 and straight up, 6-0-1 to the spread. But when he steps up against anybody any better, he's just an average coach at best, not even good. Uh if I'm Andy Reid for Kansas City, there's one thing I'm going to do in this football game. I'm going to get Taylor Swift on an airplane to Frankfurt <laughs> <laughs> and put her in the stands or in a loge, okay? Uh, you, know, you know what happened when she wasn't there last week when they played Denver? You know, they went to crap. <laughs> uh, but that's not going to win the game, obviously. It's all just for good fanfare and everybody watching the contest here. Patrick Mahomes had a streak of 29 straight games snapped last week, guys, of throwing a touchdown pass. It came to an end last week. And you kind of like maybe look for these teams to hop back into their where they were before when everything went awry in a football game like that. Uh, I'm looking at Andy Reid more than anything in the football game because of that loss that he had against Denver, and it was a loss as a favorite. And if you look at this in his career, when he loses as a favorite, He's 39 and 24 to the spread, bouncing back the next game. That's a pretty strong number. And if he's favored by seven or fewer points, he's 21 and 10 to the spread, six straight covers in a row. I think it's Kansas City who gets back on the win track here and they expose Miami playing a good team like Kansas City is. Give me the Chiefs in this football game. I got to apologize to our listeners and our viewers. I am obviously losing my voice, not my mind, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> Uh, as we're trying to do the show. So I'm going to soldier on here as best I can. And let's keep it here between the three of us, guys. And uh, before we go over to what Jim's pre-recorded segment was, and he did, he did a great job. You're going to hear that. You're going to see he did a mid-season review uh, that you'll want to tune into. But any other thoughts as far as a roundtable goes, Victor, as far as you're concerned about anything you want to throw out, or Greg in particular, any questions you'd like yeah, to Yeah, let's, let's go to Greg. Sure, our producer. Yeah. All right. So I tell you what, before we get started, a couple of things. Uh, we are still uh, below our goal of reaching 500 subscribers. So that's the next goal. Let's get to 500 subscribers, hopefully before next week's show. So again, uh, make sure to subscribe if you enjoy the videos here on the Playbook Experts YouTube channel. I want to talk about you a penny to subscribe, right? No, Greg? free. Oh, right. Absolutely free. It's also free to Good. hit that like button. Good. Uh, now, I want to bring up uh, a trend that you can find in the playbook, uh, the preseason football preview guide, which I use for all of my research during the week, because uh, it happened on Thursday. This is just to uh, give a golden seal to the trends. Pittsburgh has now covered 15 straight home games after scoring 14 or less versus a losing team. So they were 14-0 going into the game last night. They have now covered 15 straight. So if you had the playbook preview guide, you would have known that. 
And I'm going to share one more with you. And then I'm going to have a, a bunch more uh, on my show on the R Lads uh, YouTube channel. Uh, when I do my show, of course, Mark and I just did a show on the, on the R Lads channel. We recorded that yesterday and we do that every week on the college football show. Um, but that is um, the Houston Texans. I thought this was kind of interesting. The Houston Texans are 6-0 and straight up and against the spread all time when they take on NFC South teams and when they have a losing record. And they're 1-0 in that spot this year. So 6-0, straight up and against the spread. They're a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Tampa Bay in that one. So let's stick to the NFL. And um, I, I got to ask you guys about the Dallas-Philly game, one of those big games of the week. Uh, question then, Jim, Dallas-Philly, do you have a call on the game just yet? And do you have a call on who you think is going to win the division when it's all said and done, Dallas or Philly? Well, uh, I think Philadelphia is the more complete team. Um, I, I rate uh, Hertz better than Dak, but not by a lot. Uh, Dak doesn't. Dak is kind of like uh, the Miami Dolphins, where they he hasn't played well at the upper limits. Where he goes against really good teams, he seems to fade. Um, I don't like. Jerry Jones' influence on the team, I think he has affected them negatively over the years, even though he's a very good owner and he spends a lot of money. But I think he makes decisions that probably would not be positive decisions if he had a, a head coach that he trusted in, a general manager other than him that was there that would make those. And I think for the last 25 or 26 years, he's affected this team negatively because of that. Now, nobody's going to quibble that they're one of the best teams in football, and they are. And they're probably the most valuable franchise in football. So there's good things that he's done, and there's other good things that he has not done, and I think that's the reason. Now, the as far as the head coaching concerned, Philadelphia did come into this league into this year with new defensive and offensive coordinators, and I think it's affected them to some degree. I don't think they're the same – powerhouse they were a year ago. And the question is, can they run the same schemes against Dallas and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, control the clock, and then hit you with a bomb? And Hertz is very good at that. But, you know, Dallas is tough. Dallas is not the weak link or weakling that we saw when they played San Francisco. They're, that was a bad game. I like San Francisco in the game. I won that but I didn't expect it to be as ugly as it was. So I think Philadelphia is the right side in the game, but I'm not going to lay three points with it. This is the kind of game, if I do decide to play Philly, it'll be on the money line because this easily could be close. However, if it's a blowout, it's going to be Philly that wins it. Mark? Well, I agree. If, if it is a blowout, it will likely be Philadelphia. That's a little bit more of their M.O., especially them being the home team and the favorite in the football game. Uh, I'm going to look at the Dallas Cowboys side of the contest here, though. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for this Philadelphia team to kind of erupt or burst, if you will. They won a lot of games that uh, weren't very unimpressive in doing that. But I guess that might be the sign of a good team who does that, that doesn't play their best yet still wins football games. But the thing I, I found in here that uh, impressed me is how good Dak Prescott has been in his career in division football games. 
uh, people don't know it or realize it. And really, truth is that I, until I put it into the well-oiled machine, a lot like Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay, who made all of his money in division games. You take his division games out, he was just a 50% uh, against the spread quarterback. Well, Dak Prescott's the same way uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. He's outstanding in division football games. Uh, now, somebody said to me in regards to that, they said, uh, well, look at the division he's playing in. My God, if you take Dallas and you take Philadelphia out, all he had to do is beat up in the Giants and the Jets. Anybody could have a good record doing just that. And, you know, in his favor, that's exactly what he's done. But I like him in the underdog role in this situation here. So I'm going to end up taking Dallas plus the points for my side in this football game. Uh, guys, let me throw in a little bit of uh, uh, my thoughts as far as this game goes. We do have an over-under selection in the game. It is, however, one of our totals tip sheet, uh, three best bets this week. So we're going to leave that to you guys to grab this week's totals tip sheet issue number nine to determine which way that we're going from a totals perspective. But, Greg, to answer your particular question, uh, the division's still up for grabs, even though Philadelphia is up by two full games, seven and one straight up, versus Dallas is five and two. And I do still think that from both teams – We've yet to actually see their best performances. Perhaps they're both gearing up to do what you should do in the NFL, and that is be playing your best ball of the season in December and in January. I am concerned about the Philadelphia passing defense. They've got some aging cornerbacks. They've got some difficulties in the defensive backfield. You saw that in the two games against Washington, in which basically Sam Howell lit them up. Uh, on defense, uh, throwing for over 300 yards in both of those particular games. So Philadelphia is going to have to do something, whether it is a trade or something, to strengthen that defensive backfield. Uh, And one more thing, you know, Philadelphia is the Super Bowl loser, right? Mark will historically tell you that traditionally you want to fade these teams in the next season after that Super Bowl loss, particularly when they're uh, laying points. Yes. Like Philadelphia is this week. And again, they've played their best games on the road, not at home, the Eagles. All right. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of uh, coaching questions we have this week. So Frank Reich, former Colt coach, going to take on his uh, former team when Carolina, coming off their first win, hosts the Colts. So, uh, Jim, when you take a look at a situation like this, we don't have any uh, historical stats on it, but when you take a look at a, a situation like this, um, how much do you put into that? Put into that? Do you put in a lot, or is it just uh, something that you don't really care too much about? All the other stats on the game relative to what's happening that week are much more important. I think it depends on how, how well the players like the coach. You know, and if, if the coach has some revenge and he's really – into let's get these guys because they screwed me over and they really like the coach that might give you a, you know, three, four, 5% boost in your, your energy, at least at the start of the game. But basically in this spot, I don't think it matters at all because Frank Reich has not done a good job as a head coach in, in the last couple spots he's been, he just turned over the play columns column calling to Thomas Brown last week. And we didn't see much of a, an upgrade to the Panthers offense in that game. That was a little bit stodgy. They won a close game, which was nice because I, I had that. And I have the Panthers again this week. 
They're a home dog to the Colts, Colts, and I absolutely see no reason why they should be. Um, yeah, you, you go back to the beginning of the year that you know they had a different different quarterback at the Colts, and he was difficult to manage because of his running style and his ability. Well, he had some ability to throw the ball a long way. He wasn't always best at it, but he's developing back to that development league thing. But in this spot, the Panthers are going to start implementing this offense from this new offensive coordinator. He's new because he hasn't been doing it. Now he is for the second game. And I see I see progress. I see the Raiders, not the Raiders, excuse me. I'll never say the Raiders are progressing. The <laughs> Panthers are making progress, and I don't think the Colts are. I mean, they gave up. 38 or 39 points two weeks ago to Cleveland without a quarterback, the quarterback that actually knows how to play. And last week, uh, they didn't do that well either. And now they're on the road favorite. I don't get it. I think the Panthers win this game straight up. Mark, I, I want to ask you a similar type question regarding coaching in the NFL. Um, and you, speaking of, of Las Vegas, so as you mentioned, of course, they have a new head coach, a lot of new this week. Um, it is Antonio Pierce who just happens to be taking on the New York Giants in his first game, which may not be big news outside of maybe Las Vegas and New York, especially New York. They know uh, a lot about Antonio Pierce and what he meant to the football program. Uh, so what about interim coach first game? How do you handicap that? Well, a lot of that – answer greg uh, basically is uh in the team that he's taking over here you know are they a, a team that was uh, just completely bottoming out and going nowhere and uh playing with no enthusiasm it's hard hard to wake up somebody like that uh is he taking over a team that a coach had to step aside from like the sean payton in the warland situation uh, when the interim stepped in there for one year uh so i think it all mixes into the factor but i kept the database on interim coaches here and i I didn't complete it only only through, I believe, 2019. And I do know this, that at the time that uh, when I looked at it last, interim coaches struggled in their first football game. Uh, they lost to the spread almost 66% of the time. Now, a lot of that has to do with the situation uh, they're taking over here. And I think the situation in Las Vegas is uh, horrible, to say the least, all of what's going on there. Uh, and we started the conversation out with Frank Reich, taking on his former team. Uh, he's not an interim coach, obviously, but you know he's got that chip on his shoulder here. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, wasn't Frank Reich fired by the Colts? He didn't play his contract out and go elsewhere. I think he was fired, if I, if I remember right. Well, he put, a, he put a lot of stock in bringing Wentz in. It turned out to be a very bad decision. Yes. And that was, and that was on him because he fought for that. Yep. And Wentz really let him down. But there were other mistakes that he's made as well. Um, yeah, I, he was fired. Yes. So I was talking with somebody, and my my point of contention is I don't think you can touch after the NFL trade deadline the teams that gutted their teams uh, this particular week. You got locker rooms there looking at each other and scratching your head and saying, well, uh, "What the, what TF is going on here?" The uh, Washington Commanders, as a for instance, I mean they just completely gutted that team, that defensive line. Uh, so you have to also take into consideration the sat the situation that's going on at hand, whether it's coaches or trade deadlines and things like that. Uh, now, as far as this particular week, 
again, I wouldn't touch the Vegas Raiders with a 10 foot pole for the situation being what it is. And not only did they let their head coach go that as Victor mentioned, the GM and the offensive coordinator and the players have to wonder who's next uh, on the chopping block in Vegas. So those are the types of teams I would avoid. I wouldn't play on them for sure, but I certainly wouldn't, uh, would not be even entertaining the thought of making a play down them as well. Well, you also have to put in effect there that they are starting a quarterback that has never played. I mean, he's, he, he's a rookie. Yes, right. he is. Right. Aiden O'Connell of Purdue will be getting a start. Uh, that kind of ties in with the obscenely low over-under line in this game. It's the lowest uh, of the week in the NFL, 37 and a half. I think that's what you're seeing, right, Jim, for the uh, uh, Raiders uh, – Raiders Giants game, 37 and I, a half. I see a 37 with a over favored, 37 and a half, even money. The, uh, the scary thing is, you know, based on what's happened this season in the NFL, you know, this is a uh, abbreviated 14 week schedule uh, in the NFL. Nine out of 14 games this week have over underlines of 41 or less points. You know, for a lot of gamblers out there, particularly the newer, younger folks, they're not used to. Uh, seeing over underlines in the NFL in the mid to high 30s, they don't know how to deal with these lines, and and I don't blame them. Frankly, we got to go back 10, 15, 20 years to get into a period of time in which over underlines were consistently in the mid to high 30s. So again, uh, uh, you got a rookie quarterbacks, uh, you've got a very very low scoring NFL season, and guys, if I had told you, you know, way back in week one that we'd be seeing quarterbacks like uh, uh, quarterbacking in week nine of the NFL, Clayton Toon, P.J. Walker, Brett Rippon, Tyler Badgent, Will Levis, Jalen Hall, Taylor Heineke, Joshua Dobbs, Zach Wilson, Aiden O'Connell. You thought I'd be crazy, but that's where we are in the NFL in week 10. Right. No, no name, unproductive that, quarterbacks in what's already been a low-scoring season. It that, sounds like the XFL or the USFL. <laughs> yes, like. By the way, I'm going to – now that you say – We're in get, the development league here, and it's it's amazing <laughs> where, how oh, we've gotten true. here. Yeah, yeah. We were doing our uh, first draft show for 20, uh, 2024 on the Arlads channel with Dave Cyberton, who, who's the lead scout, and we were going over his early rankings and just couldn't believe – the talent level that will be coming into the NFL at quarterback, possibly either depending on this year, next year, there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to stay because there's so many guys coming out this year. I'm just going to run through the list of guys that could be really good. Or you yeah, know, I'd like to hear these. Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Greg. So you got Drake May, Caleb Williams. You have Quinn Ewers, Bo Nix, uh, Michael Pratt from Tulane, Jordan Travis, Devin Leary, Spencer Rattler, Michael Penix, Tyler Van Dyke, Grayson McCall, Cameron Ward, KJ Jefferson, Sam Hartman. Oh, wow. <laughs> Tagalio, to, to his uh, younger brother. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's coming out. JJ McCarthy, Jaden Daniels, Riley Leonard. Oh, wow. I mean, I can go on. There's like five more guys that are it in could, the it other. It could easily line. be a four or five first round quarterback draft next year. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're going to be able to bargain shop and find uh, some very intriguing middle to later round guys that uh, could actually come through for you, especially the guys that wind up starting three or four years in college football. Yeah. You'll, you'll see some guys that uh, in most normal years would have gone in the first round that maybe 
third or fourth round picks. This, this there should be some value, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I don't know how much you, you uh, Jim. Do you, how much college football do you get into? You know, it. I'm because I don't have the staff that I used to have, and I don't. You know, I, the backup because I've I've really simply. I'm mostly, primarily, ninety percent a better now. Okay. I don't. I don't. I sell picks. I sell picks on Mark's side. I sell them on my side, but it's not a major focus. My major focus is gambling. I bet on these games rather heavily. Like I made a pretty nice five-figure f- number last night. Um, you know, I, what I'm trying and it I gives me the time to focus on the NFL more. So I follow others mostly in college. Okay. And I put, then when they say something that they like, I go back and research it myself to see if, yeah, if I was researching this, I would have come up with the right set, the same side. And then I go with it. But that's how I do it now because I am investing pretty serious money every week. And I don't have the staff that I sure. had once. I just okay. have 1,100 people working for me. So um, it's, it's all about my pocket and getting the few customers that I do have. Um, the, the right side of the game. It's not always easy. It's not always easy no matter what, because it's not a game. It's, it's a very different, and in this particular market in college, I think, I mean, college is basically the same as it has been. What we have going on in the NFL is really aberrational. I mean, we're going from an A to A league with maybe four or five teams that we're now seeing 20 teams that are not developed into an efficient running smooth machine where it used to be like four or five teams out of the 32. So you really have to be careful. There's some teams that are really, really good and others that are barely college level. All right. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask Mark a couple of these questions and and Victor, and you chime in if you want to Um, Mark air force, James Madison and Liberty are the three undefeated teams left in the group of five in college football. Which one do you think has the best chance to go undefeated? And which one of them do you like the most? Well, the answer is Air Force, uh, basically because I think they can run through the Mountain West. And remember last year, this football team led college football in overall team defense last year. I believe their defense is still top 10 this year. Uh, so, you know, that says a lot about a, a football team that, and you ask why they've met with all the success. Well, that's what it is. The Mountain West is down a little bit, but Air Force is not. And I think they're the type of football team because of the style of football they play. Uh, you know, when they, you get into a bowl game, they're going to be really good because they're going to take on a, an opponent that isn't used to their style of football. And that's one of the reasons that they're, they're as good as they are. But the, of the group, I would say I would, I, my, my lean would be to Air Force. I would agree with that, uh, Mark, if I can. Uh, their, their only tough one on their schedule remaining is that uh, very last game of the season on the road against Boise State. They still got to play Hawaii. That'll be a winner. They got to host UNLV. UNLV. They host UNLV. They host them. That's okay. But at, least, but at least on the road in that last game against Boise State, yeah. they will be playing with revenge incentive. Okay. As Boise beat them in a low-scoring game last year, I think it was 1914. Yeah. And then who knows? Because there'll be a championship game, and then who knows who they'll right. play in the championship right. game. But at least they would host it, and that's the way it's looking right now. They're going to wind up hosting the championship game. Um, you're in UNLV, Jim. 
Did you happen to catch the end of the game last week? You went to leave Fresno? I did not. You did not. Okay. You, did you catch that, Victor? I did. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Yeah. So I, t- I told, uh, yeah, we went over yesterday. It was crazy. Oh, but anyway. One more thing about Air Force guys. They're playing Army this week. Yep. Another military game. For you over under betters, you know what that means, don't you? Good, last, you better you better bet it under, right? Yeah, or, or 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 don't bet the over. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. But the last twenty eight military versus military games, that's Army versus Navy or versus Air Force, have gone three overs, twenty five unders. Again, wow. they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it easy for you this week with an over under line around thirty one points in that game too. Okay. Wow. Well. You know what? Next year is going to be kind of cool because if one of these group of five teams go undefeated, uh, you would think that the system will be in place where they'll make the uh, 12-team playoff. So, yeah. I, I think one of those three teams you mentioned, Greg, if it were if this now was next year, I think one of those teams you mentioned would indeed yeah. be in the playoffs. Yeah, that would be right. kind of cool because, like, let's say maybe, maybe we see Air Force uh, at uh, Alabama. Or something like that in the first round. Who knows? Or maybe, or maybe you even see multiple group of five teams uh, next year to make that uh, twelve-team playoff. Uh, the other thing is the rivalries. Looks like uh, you're not going to see Bedlam, you're not going to see Civil War, and you're not going to see Apple Cup for a while. It's very, it's very possible that a lot of these rivalries that you're going to start seeing beginning this week with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are, are going to be out the door for a long time until they can reschedule. So uh, question is, uh, which one of those rivalry games uh, are you going to miss the most? Bedlam, Civil War, Apple Cup? Well, are, are UCLA and Southern Cal still going to play? I know they're both in the Big Ten. Yep, but they're they, still going to play. They'll play annually. They'll make it a point to do that, correct? As far as I know, yes, Michigan and they're all going to have one rivalry game. They're going to be able to keep. Well, my vote would be the Bedlam. It's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, it's always a good football game. Usually ups a lot of upsets in the football contest as well. And I'm really sad to see that happen because they're bolting or Oklahoma's bolting for the SEC, uh, which I think might give Oklahoma State a little advantage, a little, a little more. Uh, to play for in this football game on Saturday, the fact that uh, they are leaving them and they're the cause of the Bedlam series being disrupted. So, but uh, of the ones you mentioned here, I think Bedlam would be the one I'll miss the most. That's the one unfortunate thing these days about college football is that uh, some of these fantastic historical rivalries are going to go the way of the uh, the CD or the cassettes or the uh, A-track or whatever it is. But uh, that's un- un- one of the unfortunate things about uh, the consolidation or the um, the fact that you got ma- major conferences going to 16 or 18 teams. But it is one of the unfortunate things that some of us the old folk uh, remember very fondly in college football. Is any, anybody, is anybody too, by the way, Greg, uh, handicapping those rivalry games. Uh, you know, there were some really, really good deep edges in those football games. Yeah. You know, to talk, look at, talk about changes. Anybody seen a payphone lately? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you used to see them outside the sports books in Vegas. I know that. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, right. yeah you, you had to wait in line to get them because no cell phones, obviously. Exactly. It, it, was, uh, it, was, it was funny. Lastly, uh, does anybody – do you guys agree with Washington being a three-point favorite over USC this week? Jim? Yeah, you know the. Uh, I'm not a USC is is has some holes. US, but they're in a, they're in a pretty good spot to be an underdog. 
um, and I, I do, like I said, I do talk to people about, about the college a lot. And, and, and when it comes down to it, like of the six people I talked to, five of them like USC plus the points. And I respect that because these are, these are substantial players that do win money. So they're on, there's five out of six. And the other one didn't pass. He went the other side. So it was five against one that likes USC plus the points. Now, they do think USC, and this is another thing they mentioned. Four of them mentioned this. They think USC will get killed next week. Well, maybe like that Oregon-Washington letdown when they both met yeah. when they were undefeated. You know, they both came flat as pancakes the following week. And it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case here again this particular week. And I think when a person looks at this football game, and you're looking at maybe Southern Cal having holes, obviously, defensively, they lapse. Uh, I think what people are missing on the Washington side of the football equation here is the fact that they are not playing good football. Uh, they've been out yarded their last three games in a row, Washington has. And since they took on Oregon, they had not beat the spread since then as well. So it's not like they're hitting on all cylinders either here. So I think you can throw all that stuff out and look at the game for what it is. You've got Southern Cal at home as an underdog to an undefeated Washington team. That's what Lincoln Riley lives and thrives for. Mark, who do you think of those of Oregon and Washington? Who is the better team? I think Oregon for sure. I think Oregon was the better team when they played them. They did everything but win the game. Yeah. Um, I think the coach kind of botched it a little bit in the end, if you will. But just you know, if you didn't even see the game, you look at the yards at the at the box score. Uh, you'd see Oregon beat them over 100 yards in the contest, and you just wonder how they didn't win the football game, but. You know, that's another case for another story. Maybe they'll play them again in the Pac-12 championship. Well, these people that I spoke to also, they elaborate on other positions. They all felt that Oregon's the better team. Yeah. They, and and by the way, you. as you were they saying, agree. Jim, next week, Oregon will be hosting USC. Correct. So, and then yeah, USC's got to play UCLA after that. That's a nice round robin, those three teams. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's why it's hard in the Pac-12 for these teams to go. Uh, well, not that there'll be a Pac-12 next year, really, but it's hard for them it, to run the table. Isn't it strange that for finally the the Pac-12 is having a great year, <laughs> great time? Yeah. And now, uh, ironic. This yeah. is like this is like wild, and now they're disappearing. Uh, uh, Jim, it's like you got a, a your tooth is hurting. You call the dentist, and the day comes, and your all of a sudden your tooth doesn't hurt. You know. Well, oh, that always the, happens. Yeah. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> well, it's the same thing going on in the Pac-12 this year. All of a sudden, they're playing some pretty good football there because it's the end of the Pac-12, unfortunately. All right, Mark. That'll hey, wrap Greg, it up. I appreciate that. Good stuff, as always. Uh, that was our producer, Greg DePalma. And I encourage you to tune in to the Our Lads YouTube channel. Greg does a great job with that. I do college football with him. He does a lot of pro football as well. So check it out on YouTube, the Our Lads channel. You can pick up a lot of really good information. Our lads is, I think, unquestionably the best source when it comes to college football draft information. They do an excellent job, and I know Greg contributes a lot to that as well. And, Greg, if you will, Jim does a great job doing a midseason report on the National Football League. He's got that for our listeners and viewers out there. Greg, if you would, Jim Feist, midseason report. I'm going to take a look at each division and where we're at. We've played eight games now. We know these teams a whole lot better than we did Back in preseason, we were trying to guesstimate what everybody was going to do. We look at the AFC East. Dolphins, 6-2. Bills, 5-3. Jets, 4-3. It's kind of unbelievable. 
how how the Jets keep winning with, when they can't score and can't move the ball. The Patriots, of course, are two and six. What do I see coming down the pike? I'm just gonna say it's gonna it's really it's really tough. The Bills this week have a tough game. Dolphins are heading overseas. Um, it's it's really tough. It's going to come down to injuries, but it's going to come down to the Dolphins and Bills. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a, is is a real kind of like real question mark. If he came back, if he can come back, I mean that would be incredible if he does. This Jets team then becomes real because their defense plays real good football. And you really can't move the ball on them. You can't score on them. And now the change from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers, you talk about an upgrade. Very interesting stuff. Now, we take a look at the AFC North, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and Bengals. The Bengals are, are back. Burrow is, is, is healthy now. They're playing incredible. I'm going to throw the game out yesterday with San Francisco. With Trent Williams is out. Debo Samuel's out. Great game. It wasn't that easy as the score would look like. It was. But the Bengals are for real. And of course, Joe Burrow, they've been there. They've been the last couple of years very successful. The Browns are for real. Their defense is real, but their quarterback issue with Deshaun Watson. And the backup quarterback just doesn't get it done, but they should have won the game. So it's kind of like the Jets. They can't move the ball, but they keep, they're in there. They can win. The miracle stuff happens in this league. It's a, it's a B league with a couple of plus moments, but a lot of D moments as well. So, we're dealing with a different quality of NFL football this year, so we have to bear with that, and we got to be cognizant of it. The Steelers, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Their their offense is absolutely, I used to say it was 1960s football. It's really 1860s football. They, they are a mess. And now players are coming out, coach coming out, they're criticizing the referees. The one player says, I think the referees wanted the other side to win. And he even intimated how much did they get paid to help them win. That's not good stuff. There's going to be a fine involved there. Some money's going to be paid. They might even throw these guys out. I don't know. Um, they have a no criticize a ref thing in the league. So that's going to, that's going to rear its ugly head. Ravens are the best team at this moment in that division. However, with the Bengals coming up, it would be down to the Ravens and the Bengals. Nobody knows if if or when Deshaun Watson will come back, if or when he'll start playing football like he did years ago. Probably not. The Jaguars are for real. We're going to the AFC South. The Jags are for real. I'm very impressed with how they're playing, how they're moving, progress is there. However, they should not have won that game yesterday as easily as it was. I don't know who would have won had it been played a little bit more legitimately because I agree the refs were terrible 
and they seem to favor the Jags. I'm not saying anything for sure, it just looked that way. The Chiefs, struggling, really struggling. Can't get on the same page with the wideouts. Um, yesterday was a flu day. The, the Chiefs uh, did not feel well. They got beat by Denver. Denver didn't move the ball. It was only they only won because the Chiefs turned the ball over five times. So, and you know, expecting the Chiefs to win when Taylor Swift isn't in the stands, I'm like that might be a little too much to expect. But the Chiefs are still with that quality defense and Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're still the best team in that division. Uh, the Raiders and the Broncos aren't going to do it. The Chargers, no, I don't think so. Not with that coach. Now we go to the National Football Conference. East, Eagles, Cowboys. They meet this week. That's a big game. Commanders and Giants, are, forget them. Uh, it's going to come down to the Eagles and Cowboys. And these head-up matches against each other is going to make a big difference. But usually the Cowboys don't hold up very well when they go up against real good competition. And that'll probably maintain itself. Now, going to the north, without their quarterback, the Vikings are toast. And they were playing really well. So that was a shame. Terrible injury. A terrible loss out for the season. The Packers and the Bears, of course, are horrible. Neither one has a quarterback. They're a mess. The Lions should win this division rather easily. They play the Raiders. I don't have the results from that yet. So should they win that, they'll be 6-2. and two. Then the Vikings are 4-4, four and four, but without a quarterback, they're not going anywhere. Now we go to the South. Miserable, miserable division. Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers, and Panthers. You like anybody there? You think anybody's good? I don't. I think the Saints are the best of the group, and they played a little bit better yesterday, which is kind of surprising. They popped up against the Colts and did extremely well. I'm going to still stick with my preseason prediction there that the Saints will come out of that and make the playoffs based on the fact they win the division. The West is interesting. The 49ers starts off 5-0. and Now they're 0-3 their last three games, and they look like they're having a lot of trouble. Uh, the Cardinals and the Rams are not going to contend. Um, the Seahawks, they're good, but they're not great. I still think the 49ers will get it turned around. They'll get Trent Williams back on the offensive line. Debo Samuel will get back. And with Purdy and McCaffrey in the backfield and that very solid defense, although they haven't been in the last couple weeks, I think they'll take that division, but it's going to be close with the Seahawks. It's going to be very close. This is going to be interesting. We're eight weeks in. We've got a lot of results. This is still, and I'm going to keep saying it, and I'm not trying to be critical for no reason. There's a reason. The NFL is a B league, and sometimes a B minus, sometimes a B plus. But there's a lot of teams in this league that are only going to get worse because they're going to get rid of some of the talent they have in 
the trade cut. There's a trade deadline on Tuesday. So a lot of changes should take place. And the, the good teams are going to be looking for teams, for players to shore them up. And the teams that are not doing so well, they're going to get rid of some talent, get rid of some payroll, and look to the draft. And I think that's what they should do. They're not going anywhere this year. We'll talk to you again real soon. As always, right on the money, Jim Feist, National Football League, and what's going on in the NFL this football season. You can get all of Jim's selections at the playbooksports.com website. Be sure to check that out as well. Victor King from King Creole Sports does a great job also with his NFL over-under review and preview. Victor, let's see what you had to say this week about that. Hi again, everybody. It is Victor from Mark Lawrence's Playbook. And we're doing some prep work for the podcast that we're going to be recording a little later on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I'm doing some prep for that particular podcast. And, of course, as always, right around this time, we do a little bit of an NFL over-under review. And we'll also take a look at some of the action in this week, week nine of the NFL. Let's get into what happened Last week in pro football, now, you know, we haven't had a 50-50 week in pro football this season until last week. A 50-50 week, of course, being overs and unders split right down the middle. We had a full 16-game slate last week. Half of the games went over. Half of them went under. Sure, there was still some high-scoring 60-plus point games, uh, 65 points in that Saints Colts game, which was our King Creole over of the week. And we thank everybody who joined us for that particular winner. 69 points in the Philadelphia-Washington NFC East division battle. 63 points in the Rams-Cowboys game. And a surprising 55 points in the Baltimore-Arizona game. Those were your four highest scoring games. And, of course, there was still plenty of those ugly low-scoring games that we've seen with great regularity this season in which there was a combined 34 or less points. Again, the official tally for last week in the NFL, eight overs, eight unders. The average OU line last week was 42.8. Average combined points, 44.7. That's your middle of the road right now in the NFL. Okay, year-to-date now. After eight complete weeks, we have seen 49 overs. We have seen 72 unders in the NFL. That's 59% of all games which have indeed gone under the total on the season with a low average of 43.6 combined points per game. That is where we are at in the NFL. And here's a little trivia question for you. Did you know since the start of last season, there has been only three out of 26 weeks in the NFL in which there were more overs than unders in a given week? Only three out of 26 weeks. In fact, I'll let you know what those weeks were. Uh, Week 11 of last year, week 14 of last year, and of course, the only week this season in which there were more overs and unders was week two of this season. The primetime games, all three of them last week, once again ended up going under the total. Tampa Bay versus Buffalo on Thursday. 
uh, the Bears and the Chargers on Sunday night and the Vegas-Detroit uh, game on Monday night. All three of them went under the total. The primetime NFL night games holding strong this year now with seven overs, 19 unders. Here's your breakdown, though. The Thursday games have actually gone four and four over under. The Sunday night games have gone two and six over under, only 41.3 combined points per game. And it's those Monday games. There's been 10 of them this season already, only one over, nine unders on Monday night football this season, only 36.6 combined points per game. The Jets are playing the Chargers this Monday. We don't want any part of the over in that game. So if you're going to bet it, lay off the total or play on the under. Now, with that said, there's American football that's going to be played in Germany this week. And I believe that we'll probably be covering that on the Mark Lawrence podcast this week. So we can kind of pass by that. But if you're looking for a good under situation this week in week nine, here's a couple of games that we would advise. You know, there was a lot of NFL non-conference games last week in the NFL. Those are the AFC versus NFC games. Uh, in fact, 10 out of 16 games last week were the non-con variety. This week, there's seven more of these games. And a four-year pattern in the database tells us to go low in these games when the AFC team is laying points at home. In fact, here you go, right out of our hot database, Eight overs, 27 unders in the last four years. That's 77% under the total for any AFC home favorite of six or less points taking on an NFC opponent. For a little bit of a tightener, we know that the results improve in these games to three and 20 over under. That's only three overs, 20 unders. When the OU line is in the range of more than 38 and less than 48 points, there are three games going this week in the NFL that qualify in this fantastic three and 20 over under situation. These are the games that you want to consider going low in Houston Texans favored by a few points at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will go under the 40, the Patriots at home hosting the commanders over underline around 40 and a half. We'll go with the under in this one as well. And finally, the third game that also qualifies Baltimore Ravens hosting the Seattle Seahawks over under 43. We're going to lean under in all three of these games. You don't have to play the under in all three of them. All I'm saying is lay off the over in these non-conference games. Take a look at Houston, Tampa Bay under, New England, Washington under, and finally, Baltimore, Seattle, under for week nine. That'll do it for your week eight review, your week nine preview. Let's get back to the Mark Lawrence Against the Spread podcast. Best of luck as always. And don't forget this week's totals tip sheet newsletter available at playbooksports.com. Best of luck to everybody in week nine. Victor King right on the money again with his NFL over-under previews. Be sure to pick up Victor's NFL totals tip sheet this week. We talked a little bit about a big game he's got on tap there. You'll be sure you want to download the totals tip sheet just in time for the football weekend. Andy Isco, AI on my bye week this week. 
But that doesn't stop Andy Isco at all. Andy has his line moves segment, as he always does. Let's find out what lines are moving in the NFL this week. Thanks, Mark. Let's uh, take a look, as you mentioned, at the weekly line moves. Again, just to uh, for the uh, new, uh, new uh, listeners and viewers, uh, what the Westgate here in Las Vegas has been doing for a number of years, roughly 10 days before each Sunday, the Westgate posts actual betting lines, side and totals, for the games of the following weekend. Thus, thus for example, uh, the uh, Week 9 uh, lines that uh, games that are being played this week. Uh, two weeks ago, on the uh, Tuesday prior to the playing of Week Eight's games, in fact, even before the Thursday night game of Week Eight, uh, which was that Buffalo-Tampa Bay game, there were actual bettable lines uh, that you could bet at the Westgate uh, for this coming week's game. So you get a chance to measure what sort of adjustment the lines makers make, because after these lines are up for a few days before the games are played. Uh, this past weekend, the lines come down, the results come in for these games, and lines then are reposted. Sometimes they're very close to what was uh, originally available for the four or five days after the Tuesday lines, uh, advanced lines were posted. And sometimes there are some changes, and handicappers, bettors like to uh, have the information just to see, uh, in their opinion, are those lines that were reposted after being able to bet them for four or five days, are those lines adjusted enough, not adjusted enough, or should they even be adjusted at all? We'll start, for example, with the Thursday night game this week, which is the Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. A week ago this past Tuesday, the Steelers were four-point home favorites against the uh, Tennessee Titans. Now, uh, this past weekend, uh, we saw the uh, uh, the Titans uh, lose to Carolina, giving the Panthers uh, their first uh, win of the season. And uh, uh, meanwhile, the, um, uh, the Steelers uh, last week, lost at home, excuse me, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, failing to cover two and a half point dogs. When the line was reposted uh, uh, Sunday evening, there was an adjustment and the Steelers were made just three point home favorites. The early money came in to drive it down to two and a half. And since then, it's been back up to a, uh, a three-point favoritism for the Steelers. Uh, looking at the early game on Sunday in Frankfurt, Germany, between the Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs, the advance line had the Chiefs a two and a half point uh, favorite, neutral site favorite. Uh, that line opened at two and a half when it was reposted Sunday after the Dolphins uh, had their, their game uh, and the uh, Chiefs uh, played their game. Uh, opened again at two and a half. It's been bet down to the Dolphins now one and a half point uh, home, uh, excuse me, uh, excuse me, the Chiefs, one and a half point neutral site favorites in uh, Frankfurt. Uh, one game that did have some interest and in it's uh, some, some action rather uh, movement, uh, injury related, and that's the game uh, Minnesota at Atlanta. The advance line uh, a week ago Tuesday had the Falcons one-point favorites with a total of 41. Well, as we uh, saw on Sunday in the win over Green Bay, Kirk Cousins tore his ACL. He's lost uh, for the uh, uh, seasons uh, for the uh, uh, for the Vikings. They've since gotten Joshua Dobbs from uh, Arizona, but it remains to be seen uh, if he'll be ready for this Sunday, and if so, how prepared he will be. Uh, nevertheless, that one-point line no longer exists. On Sunday, when we knew that, that Cousins was injured and possibly tore the ACL, it was not confirmed, the line opened three and a half. Once the confirmation came in that he is lost for the season, Atlanta was bet up to a five-point home favorite where it currently sits. The total also saw an adjustment from 41, which was available from that Tuesday advance line, the new total was posted at 38 and a half, and that's been bet down further to 37, which 
used to be a key number, and it sort of is this year with the low-scoring games. It's not as key number uh, as in the past. It still comes up. The scores like uh, uh, 20, uh, 20 to 17, for example, uh, come up with uh, 37. So it's still a key number, but not to the same extent that it has been in the past. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, that one. There was another interesting move in the Cardinals-Cleveland uh, game. Uh, the uh, the line actually, the advanced line was eight and a half, was bet down to seven and a half before it got taken off the board. And then when it was reposted, it was post reposted again at eight and a half for uh, their game against Arizona. It was initially bet down to seven and now it's back up to eight and a half. So the lines maker was right two weeks ago. The public moved it down and then has moved it back up. Now, the total in that game opened at 40. That was reposted at 40 after Sunday's action. It's been bet down to 37 and a half. And again, part of it may be the uh, uh, the quarterback change uh, with the Arizona Cardinals due to that trade with Minnesota. Another game that has seen uh, a line move largely due to injury speculation. And uh, that's the game between the Rams and the Packers. The advance line had the Rams one and a half point uh, road favorites and the uh, total at 42 and a half. Now, the Rams, of course, lost badly 43 to 20 at Dallas and Green Bay lost at home 24 to 10 to Minnesota. The line, however, was reposted with the Rams instead of one and a half. The Rams were two point road favorites with a total of 41 and a half. It's since been learned that Matthew Stafford, the Rams quarterback, is looking more and more questionable where it's probably at this point more doubtful than even questionable that he will uh, play as a result. That line, which opened the Packer, the Rams, two-point road favorites. The Packers have been bet now up to a three-point home favorite. So that's a five-point move just from the reposted line on Sunday. We've also seen a decline in the uh, total. 41.5 was the reposted total. That's down to 38.5. So that's a significant move, and it leads me and many others to believe that uh, Stafford will be will not be starting uh, for the uh, uh, for the Rams on uh, on this. Uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, one other line that is uh, worth mentioning, uh, the Raiders. Uh, they will be hosting the uh, New York Giants. And of course, the news coming out uh, very, very late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning that Josh McDaniels has been fired uh, along with the general manager for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Pierce, the former New York Giants player and the uh, linebackers coach for the Raiders will be the interim head coach. The advanced line for this game did have the Raiders a three and a half point home favorite over the Giants. And before it was taken off the board, uh, it was bet down to the Raiders uh, as three point home favorites. The total was only bet up slightly from 40 and a half. I'm uh, sorry, down slightly from 40 and a half to 40. When the game was reposted uh, after the, uh, uh, Giants lost on Sunday afternoon, and of course the Raiders played Monday night. Uh, the Raiders were still three and were back up to three and a half point favorites. They were bet down to three before the game was taken off. Uh, before the Monday night game, Raiders at Lions, they lost that game, uh, an ugly game. The reposted line on Tuesday morning had the Raiders two and a half points. It's been bet down to a one and a half point favorite, and that's as we do this podcast, which is after, of course, the aforementioned. Uh, firing of McDaniels as coach. Total also, which was reposted lower than the uh, 40 that it was taken off at, uh, reposted at 38. That game has been bet down to uh, 37. And then finally, the game between the Bills and Bengals, the Sunday night game, some movement in both the side and the total. Of course, the Bills 
before the Thursday night game was played against Tampa Bay, where they won but did not cover uh, against the uh, Buccaneers at home. Bills were one-and-a-half-point road favorites and had been bet down to a one-point road favorite. The, the total opened at 46-and-a-half, bet down to 45-and-a-half. This game, of course, at Cincinnati. On Sunday, the Bengals, very impressive, especially quarterback Joe Burrow, very impressive in that win at San Francisco. When the game was reposted late Sunday afternoon, it opened a pick em. The action steadily came in on the Bengals to push the Bengals up to a three-point favorite. It since has seen a little bit of buyback on Buffalo. Cincinnati, a two-point favorite as we do this podcast. And the total was reposted at 46. That's seen a sharp movement up to 48-and-a-half for the Sunday night Hopefully spectacular game between the Bills and Bengals. And with that update on the line moves, I'll send it right back to you, Mark. That was Andy right on the money with the NFL line moves, as we see this week in the National Football League. And by the way, you can also catch Andy's standalone contest review of all the going on in the major contests in Las Vegas. You can pick that up at the Playbook Experts YouTube channel or at playbooksports.com. With that, I'm going to roll it over to my awesome angle of the week, guys, uh, before Victor and I share with you our complimentary plays to close out the show. Our awesome angle this week comes from our Black Book. And, you know, the Black Book, I love music themes. I love music. And all the articles that I write in the Black Book are themed around uh, songs. And the song is called Stop Dragging My Heart Around. And that ties into this NFL awesome angle this particular week. And this is the way it works. We're going to play against any NFL team that's four and three on the season, in game number eight, if they're a home favorite, and they won seven or fewer games last year. So they're sitting here suddenly, a losing team last year, looking like they're going to be a winning team this year. They're four and three, yet they're dressing up as a favorite. That's been a no-no. These football teams are just five and 19 against the spreads in this particular role. That will play against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday in our Stop Dragging My Heart Around awesome angle play on the football show this week. And, Victor, we're going to do our, if we will, if you can share with our listeners out there, your top complimentary play. And I'm going to tell everybody that our free pick segment here is being brought to you once again by our friends at uwager.lv, where you can get up to a 200% sign-up bonus. And they also offer free same-day payouts. Check it out. Log on at uwager.lv or give them a call at 1-800-UWager. And, Victor, if you would, you could do us a favor. What are you looking at for your complimentary play this week? Can do, Mark. Uh, first off, uh, already up on the playbooksports.com website. We've got uh, three over-unders for Saturday. It's our totals triple play. All three games are overs. All three are on national TV as well. If you like betting those national TV shootouts and you like watching them, uh, check that out at the playbooksports.com website. We also have not one but two overs this week in the NFL. I know there's 14 games. There's only two of them in which we will be betting the over. Most of our action, again, is going to be on the under like it has been thus far. But uh, both of those overs are, again, available at playbooksports.com, or you can get there via our uh, website shortcut, which is pb.buzz slash VK for Victor King. And we are going to give the ball to King's best friend this week. That would be <laughs> Tuco with his one of his two team totals of the week. And we know the good thing is, is we briefly touched on this game just a few minutes ago. And Tuco is going to be on the Carolina Panthers to score over 20 and a half points as they host 
the Colts this week. And, of course, based on this opponent, the stage is definitely set for rookie quarterback Bryce Young to have his best and most efficient start of the season. So he looked – I know the numbers weren't fantastic last week, but he looked much better after his bye. He did outduel C.J. Stroud. He had a 103.6 quarterback rating. He had his highest yards per attempt on the season at 7.6. And he's going to get the fate feast on the clear-cut worst defense that Carolina has faced this season by far. We're talking about the Indy Colts. You know, Jim talked about, you know, the last three games, the Colts have allowed 37, 38, and 39 points. There's wow. no there's no reason why we should not play Carolina over their team total uh, you got that horrific defense. You uh, also have the fact that the NFL division home teams who have a Thursday road game the next week, like Carolina does, have averaged 25.2 points per game. We'll give the ball to Tuco. He's going to play the Carolina Panthers to score over 20 and a half at home. A little bit of a revenge angle for their coach as well. We are talking pedal to the metal for 60 minutes for Carolina as Tuco plays them. Over 20 and a half points. Victor Tuco over 20 and a half points for the Carolina Panthers for his complimentary play on the show this week. And once again, you can pick up all of Victor King's plays at the website at playbooksports.com. And Jim, before we let you go, any final thoughts you might have on the NFL football card this week? Well, you know, yes. Um, the um, What Victor just said about Panthers, their offense, scoring over the total. I love it because I told you before, I like the Panthers this week. I'm on the Panthers. Yep. Tom Brown calling the play second week in a row. And I'm going to, I'm going to go to another level of handicapping. What had, what owner do you like the best? David Tepper or Jim Ursay? It's probably a little too early to be grading Tepper. He's only on the team for what three years, so but maybe the jury's still out on him. He's a he's an aggressive man who likes to win. I think he's a Wall Street guy that made a lot of money, um, and he does not tolerate losing inefficiency, losing. He's gonna if you don't do it, you ain't gonna be there. And when you look at these two teams, those two owners, when you look at the defense for the Colts, when you look at the uptick, I believe, from Frank Wright to Thomas Brown and calling the plays, everything leans. And I want to say, why the hell are the Colts favored on the road in this spot? I can't figure it out either. Okay. I, I mean, it's so obvious. Just, I looked at it. I said, what the hell? Why are they favored? 39, 38, 37, what is, I mean, they gave a lot of those points up to P.J. Walker. Whatever <laughs> you know, and, and then when you go to the other game that Mark talked about, you know, those two, t- who's quarterback and who over here? Cleveland and, you know, what a mess. What a mess. And Toon, it's, it's, it's awesome. I love, I love all your picks, and I'm on the Panthers. Hey, Victor, let me ask you this. Uh, is it possible we might see Deshaun Watson and 
uh, Kyler Murray play this football game Sunday? I know Watson has had full workouts this week. Yes. They, in fact, uh, we just found out earlier today, we're recording the podcast on Friday, that Watson will indeed start. He will start. Uh, Arizona, it is up in the air. But I would not be surprised if two or even three Arizona quarterback gets some playing time in this game. So I would not be surprised to see a Watson-Murray matchup at some point. Well, how you think Murray might be? actually Murray might actually play the game. You say, "Wow, yeah. yep, that would be nice to see." Uh, rather than second, third, and fourth string quarterbacks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the NBA with the with the all, all the players sitting. You show you show up. You bring your your three or four kids to the game. You pay your money. You're sitting there. You're expecting to see this guy and that guy play, and they don't show up. This is what this we don't know we don't know who that was playing. It's Thursday, no Friday when we're doing this, we still don't know who's playing. Right, no. a lot of situations, Jim, uh, like the Rams and Matt Stafford are literally going to be last second game time decisions. Well, that puts wow. a little wrench in the handicapping. That's for sure. Yeah, and, that does. You know, you got you got to really really stay focused and uh, follow the Twitter, go online, and uh, before you get ready to make a play, do your little due bit, diligence. A little bit like Russian roulette. Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, speaking about Russian roulette, guys, I'm going to give you something with maybe a little bit more of an edge than Russian roulette for my complimentary play on the football card this week. I'm going to go inside the Big 12 Conference, and I'm going to play the points with Kansas State against Texas this week. And it's my feeling that Kansas State is the best team in the Big 12 Conference. They've got what I feel is the best head coach there in Chris Kleiman. He does a terrific job. Uh, since he's taken over the program, he's 34, 19 and one to the spread. That says a lot uh, for a coach that's coached 54 games and only lost 19 times to the spread. Uh, they're also coming in here on a major winning run. Uh, this could be more of a warm up, if you will, a possible Big 12 title showdown between these two football teams because they're playing really good football. Kansas State in this big six game. Uh, well, they've, I should say they've lost six straight games in the series. But this is a different look Kansas State football team. And I also like the fact that there's a good possibility that Kansas State's going to go up against the Texas backup quarterback, Malik Murphy, uh, who looked pretty good last week, but he's still a backup quarterback. You put him up against Steve Sarkeesian, uh, and there's no comparison. Steve Sarkeesian, uh, when his team is feeling really good and coming off a winning cover and then he plays a good team the next game, he's 2-8 and eight to the spread against 750 or better teams. I think that'll be the case in this football game. I'm going to take Kansas State plus the points for my complimentary play in that football game. And before we close this show out here, Andy Isco left us some information I think you'll want to know on the football card this week. Greg, share it with us, if you will. You know, Mark, uh, one of the things I do is I follow a whole bunch of trends, angles, situations, whatever you want to call it throughout the season. I usually begin – around the end of September when the season is about four weeks old or so, and we've had an opportunity to accumulate sufficient data points to perhaps draw some meaningful conclusions. Uh, and I look at a lot of situations, I think 80 of them in all, and I look at uh, how the teams have performed in these situations, home favorite, home dog, etc. One of the situations this year that has been uh, unusually strong is a situation in which the uh, team uh, in question covered last week as a road favorite and now is back home and is and the role of a home favorite. Well, so far, this situation has occurred 12 times 
in the 2023 season. There's a situation that it applies to this week, a game it applies to. And the results are 10-point spread covers, one-point spread loss, and one-point spread push. So that's 10-1-1 one, one against the point spread. This week, the situation happens to apply to the New Orleans Saints. What my discussion wants to be about is why is this situation uh, so strong? Is it anything about this year, or is it maybe related to the factors that I discussed? That you have a nice team coming off of a uh, of a road win in which they were favored, and now they're back home facing supposedly a lesser team, which is why they are uh, favored in this game. Now, this situation has not proven profitable each and every year, but it has proven profitable enough to give reason to incorporate it into uh, lending support for a selection that you might already like. If you like the Saints. Let me put it this way. I would not make this play on the Saints just because of the results of this situation, but rather use it as additional support for saying, yes, they're also in a good situation in addition to having the fundamentals and the other characteristics you like to look for in winning teams. So I'd like to get the thoughts of the panel on this situation that supports the New Orleans Saints this week. Is it just a random event or is there really something more fundamentally at play here? Thanks, Mark. I'll look forward to rejoining you all for next week's podcast. My, my first knee-jerk reaction would be I would have thought they would have gone the other way, winning as a road favorite and then being priced a little bit more heavily as a home favorite and then having to pay the price. Uh, I think it's more of an aberration than anything. That would be my vote. How do you feel, Jim? Uh, you know, I, I kind of look at things a little bit differently. Who are they playing? Sure. And, what kind of chaos is going on with who they're playing and why the, the game has gone up to 10, or, or, you know, it's, I think it's 10, is it not? I, I think yeah, they're, you're paying that price, right? For yeah. sure. So to me, it would be very hard to make a side choice in this or a, a, an individual side choice, but I would probably be comfortable using them in a teaser. You could do it. You could do a three-team, ten-point teaser with them, and pick your other two teams that you want to put in, the, whether they're favorites or underdogs. I mean, if you especially like an underdog and you want to throw ten points on them, that's that's going to make you feel pretty comfortable. So I would I would use. I mean, that's an interesting stat. Ten one and one is a hell of a stat, but when you look at the Bears, what his name is Bajent? Yeah, Bajent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he shows like he has good presence, kind of like Levis. He looks comfortable on the field. He looks like he's not; it's not over his head. But these are tough spots against the best, you know, some of the best athletes in the world coming out of Little Shepherd College. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I would probably use the Saints in a, in a teaser and combine them with some other teams that I already like. I, I, I like Jim's idea of using it as a teaser, definitely. I would not forget the fact that there are teaser setups. Like, you don't take a favorite and make them an underdog. You usually try to stay on the side of the zero because you don't want to give away that point. There's no point right. you cross that. So you use that. You look to cross. When you're doing a 10-point teaser, you're crossing a lot of numbers. A six-point teaser, you're not crossing as many. But – if you're talking about a 10-point favorite or a nine-and-a-half point favorite, you just do the 10 and, and go over two other teams. I'm not a big fan of laying the big-time points with the Saints. With that said, I did go into the database, and since the 2020 season, so we're working on four years now, NFL home favorites of greater than six, who 
score off a straight up an ATS road favorite loss in their last game have gone 31, 16 and two ATS. That's a very solid 67% over a four year uh, time period. And it says this, you know, to consider laying with the saints in the game in that 31 and 16 ATS situation. I'm not a big fan of uh, you know laying a big number like that. But they, but they didn't. They so didn't I would lose. agree with Jim that the, if you're going to play it, consider teasing the Saints. Well, they, they won the cover though. They, they did not lose. They won on the road last week. But still, uh, the Saints, as a big favorite, have not done historically well uh, in the last couple of seasons. Correct. Yes, that is correct. I look at it more like it's a trend guy. It's an, what I call an MRT, most recent trend. Yes, it's an MRT. You know, and the truth of the matter is when we when we utilize that database, the well-oiled machine, it works at its very best when you put things in against the whole league over a, a large period of time. You don't want a small random sample because small random samples are like gumballs. You can get 11 yellow gumballs in a row and the next six could be black gumballs. Uh, and there's no rhyme or reason to that. So it's a kind of a tough question, you know, that I'm a little uncomfortable with because it's a most recent trend. Uh, uh, if I knew that uh, that most recent trend had uh, had 200 results in it and uh, and it was 60 percent over 200 results, I would for sure be all in on the New Orleans Saints in that particular role. But like Victor says, their M.O. does not warrant laying the points with New Orleans. Yeah, especially with Dennis Allen, the, the right. playbook guy right. has. has right. Has Dennis Allen at one in fourteen against the spread all time, when he's coming off a straight up against the spread win, and he's zero and one in that spot this year. Well, you didn't you, you didn't tell us that to begin. <laughs> <laughs> that one's different. <laughs> There's a lot to choose from this week. Uh, it's probably a good game to you know stay away from. Okay, guys, that was a great interjection segment from Andy Isco. Kind of got the roundtable riled up there a little bit. Uh, but we're going to sign off now for this week. Uh, sorry for the delay on the show this week. We'll be back to our normal segment, our normal show on Wednesday next week. So until next week, once again, I want to thank our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports, the legendary Jim Feist from Las Vegas for joining us on the show, and our good friend AI Andy Isco for all of his winning information on the show as well. Until next week, this is Mark Lawrence. Remind you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.